Welcome to Kev and Kev Talking Sports. I am Kev. I am Kev. And I'm Andrew. Yes. Andrew is back with us. He's back. Welcome back, Andrew. Yeah, it's good to be back. <laughs> baseball, baseball time. Yeah, get us out of our NFL drudgery here. Get us back to the real sport, baseball, baby. <laughs> We've been all football all the time for about a month, but it is the all-star break. And it's time for a little uh, little check-in on how MLB is doing. So we've brought in our MLB expert, Andrew. Happy to have you back. And we, we want you to tell us all about uh, things we don't know about MLB, which is pretty much everything these days. But, uh, but first and foremost, thanks to all of our listeners. Thanks for um, tuning in. And check us out on the live stream, 8 p.m. on Wednesdays on Twitch at k and k sports wednesdays at 8 p.m on twitch we're having some fun with those conversations and it's a it's a different kind of vibe to bounce ideas around with the people who are listening and chiming in on the chat so find us there and otherwise let's jump in with some mlb talk andrew how have things gone since we talked to you last i think it was it's a much broader conversation at the beginning of the year when there's a lot like the stories haven't developed yet but there were some good takes and some bad takes <laughs> and some things have played out like we thought they would and others have changed, you know, and even since we, we did the first conversation, like right after the start of the year. So that gave you kind of an idea, but even since then, some things have, have really changed. So I think the second half of the year will, will really see if some teams can shake things up and for others, if they continue to, to struggle. Let's just recap who you picked. I mean, who do you think who do you think you were missed on in the first half? I think one team that I overspecified on my confidence in <laughs> too way too far was the Tigers. Okay. They have just been terrible. I mean, th- like their offense is so bad. Well, they lost four in a row, but I think that <laughs> I think they went on a little bit of just like an even streak heading into the all-star break. But for a while there, they were really awful. I had I had a stat from, I think about a month ago, where pretty much all of the important stats for their hitting, like their team hitting, they were last in the entire league. And that, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't win you games. So I think the Tigers were my, were my biggest miss. Is there any chance they can turn it around in the second half? Like any? Not based on the first half. Hmm. Um, like, I don't, I don't really know, you know, who is going to really change things. I know Baez has been, he had a good, I guess, month or you know a good couple of weeks going into the all-star break but he's not gonna turn your season around i think their yeah. their lineup it's it's almost like the guys that you needed to be at least decent haven't really been there like their um spencer Torkelson, i think just got sent down he's been pretty pretty poor akil would do i i don't know if he was injured or if he was down in the minors but he hasn't done anything you know and the rest of their lineup is just kind of thrown together so i think I don't know all the details of their run last year, but in the in, in the second half of last season, they they did really well. They I think they almost finished uh, 500 or around there because they had a really good second half. But I, you know, I don't know what they're going to do. What you know, what changes they're going to make for the second half of the season? Well, real quick, I mean, that, it would be impossible for them to win like 14 in a row, right? I mean, no team does that. <laughs> oh yeah, nobody that, does that. that. Never happens. <clears throat> Let, let's Boy. talk about a team that uh, was 37 and 42 a couple of weeks ago, and now they're 51 and 42. They have won 14 games. And Andrew, what team is that? 
that is the Seattle Mariners. Yeah. So what's happening there? I mean, this this does let you know that it can be done. Well, yeah. I mean, I think uh, it was the it was the Braves. I think a month or two ago they had a really big streak. Yeah. The Orioles recently yep. won, I think, twelve in a row or something like that. But I think the thing with the Mariners is a lot of people had basically declared them dead before their streak, just because a lot of the magic that you saw in the second half of last year didn't seem to be there. You know, like they, they were supposed to get better. They were supposed to be, you know, they won 90 games last year mm-hmm. and they were supposed to be better. You know, you pick up Robbie Ray yeah, and you know, like their team was supposed to be just as good. And now I think, you know, they're about on pace, maybe a little bit less than what they were last year, but winning 14 in a row it, you know, they found that spark that they had last season. And especially uh, with a guy like Julio Rodriguez, you know, he's going to, going to just light up that team. So I think for them, if they can, you know, they're in a really good spot and that you know, they don't have to win another 14 coming out of the all-star break. They just need to, you know, stay where they are mm-hmm. because the rest of the division looks pretty, pretty weak. Yeah. Except for the Astros. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, I don't think they're going for a division win at this point. I think they're they're still looking for a wild card. Spot. Yeah, that's right. And as of right now, if if the playoffs start today, they would be one of the wild card teams. So that's a pretty impressive turnaround. Yeah, very impressive. Yeah, it'll be the Yankees, the Rays, Minnesota, Houston, Seattle. How many teams? How many? Yeah, we have to talk about that. How many teams make the playoffs this year? I think it's there's, six in each in yeah, each there's league. Three. So there's. Toronto would be the other team. Toronto, so, yeah, the yeah. AL East. There was a, a little while, um, not not too long ago, that all of the wild cards would have been coming out of the East. Yeah, Boston's and, right there. That's and, been a reoccurring theme the last couple of years. Yeah, Boston's right there. So the Mariners have surged ahead of of Boston, but yeah, it's still very possible that all of the wild card teams will come out of that division, which would be kind of. I crazy. mean. The whole division is 500 or better. That's incredible. In it is. That's incredible. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. Good for Baltimore. Good for them for hanging around, even though they're 18 games back of the Yankees. That that division is just crushing everybody. Well, Andrew, do you want to touch on the Yankees? I mean, they've really kind of been the story of the, the first half. Best team in baseball. And, you know, what's uh, what's going on there? Yeah, I think with the with the AL East, it is, it is interesting because the teams like the Rays – and the Blue Jays, you know, the Rays are the second best team in the AL. And they're 13 games, be- or the AL in terms of the wild card. And they're 13 games behind the division leader. Mm-hmm. And with the Yankees, one of the things with them is their stars aren't necessarily the guys that they brought in. Their rotation has been really, really good. But when you look at it, who had, who changed? You know, what changed from last year? Like, nobody could have predicted that Nestor Cortez would be one of the best pitchers in the AL. Really, I don't think anyone predicted Aaron Judge to have 33 home runs by the All-Star break. Granted, he could have had 33 home runs for the whole year. I think that's about how many he had last year, and they were still pretty good. So any guy hitting 33 home runs in the first half or wherever we are in the season is impressive. And then just the supporting cast has been there. I think uh, Louis Trevino, their catcher, he you know came out of nowhere, and he's doing really, really well. Guys like Glaber Torres, you know, they've been contributing more. Stanton, I think, is also playing pretty well. So their team, it's a lot of the guys that they had, you know, for the last couple years or, you know, three or four years. And they're finally kind of finding their stride again. And I think it's it's come together to form, you know, a really historically good team. Do you think they're yeah. going to fall off a little bit of that pace? I mean, 
feel like the right at the end of this before the break. And by the way, we're recording on the night of the All Star Game, right? So that's kind of cool. But the Yankees finished five and five their last ten, you know, before the break, and they lost a couple of games in the ninth. They shouldn't have, you know. Maybe the, I think the Reds stole one from them. So yeah, I think I, they might have stole two. I don't remember exactly how that. Yeah, maybe it was two. Yeah. But maybe. yeah, I think with them, it's just they need to stay consistent. Uh, you know, with, with every team, of course, you know, they have the best record in the league by far. You're going to win, you're going to, or you're going to lose some to some crappy teams. And the Reds sure. are, you know, the crappiest of crappy teams. So like, <laughs> it's, it's going to happen. You know, they have 28 losses. It's not like they're going to beat everyone, but yeah. they can't afford to have those series pile up because, you know, what we talked about. I don't remember exactly what team it was at the beginning of the year. Like some teams, they don't pull a Mariners where they win 14 in a row and they just win series after series after series. You know, they're not, you know, maybe they take two out of three, but you're always losing one. Maybe you sweep a team here and there, or maybe you lose two and only win one. But if you, if you pile on the series wins, you start to, you know, get a really good record. And I think that's what the Yankees, I think they started off really hot. You know, they might've won, nine or 10 in a row early on but since then it's just been take two against the rays take two against the blue jays take three out of four against the red Sox or whoever you play yeah. and that you know that gives them a really good lead in the division and then the rest of the league as well i think i saw a stat that the braves are the only team that haven't lost three in a row this year which oh, wow. that surprised me because i thought they were sort of not great but they were doing like you said they were making sure they didn't just string together losses and making sure they took a win here and there every time. And here they are, you know, they started off so slow and now they're back in, back in almost, you know, two and a half out. So they're. Yeah. Right there in contention. That's going to be a good race to Braves and Mets, right? Oh yeah. It wasn't too long ago, Kev, you were telling me the Mets were the best team in the national league. Listen, let's pause for just a quick second here. We, before we get too far into things, we should either do a little bit of trivia or a little bit of. Oh, History or a little bit of both? What, what do you guys want to do first? You want you want a, a historical note for the day or you want to do some trivia? Let's do a historical note. Let's get the... Yeah, history. That sounds fun. Okay. Yeah, history is history. Fun. All right. Let's, <laughs> let me throw out a, a historical note. So Rachel Robinson, Jackie Robinson's widow, turns 100 years old today. Wait, is she alive? She is alive. Good she for is her. alive and turning 100 today. So she has been a widow for 50 years right Jackie Robinson passed away on October 24th 1972 so yeah just sort of an odd note I mean half of her Mm. lifetime now uh almost exactly she's been a widow so just some tidbits about Jackie Robinson for people who aren't necessarily familiar with his story obviously he's one of the most important athletes in American history and uh, an important civil rights icon you know sports aside but uh, grew up in Pasadena California his older brother was also an outstanding athlete are you familiar with Mac Robinson's most noteworthy accomplishment was he an Olympian he was he was an Olympian he he won a silver medal in the 1936 Olympics oh I did second behind Jesse Owens in the 200 meters so that's Pretty spectacular. And he was a multi-sport athlete as well. Um, Jackie Robinson, a four-sport letterman. He played baseball, basketball, football, and track. And there are many 
scholars of Jackie Robinson who say that baseball wasn't his best sport. In fact, it might have been the, the lowest on the totem pole. He was a great football player, played football yeah. and those other sports at UCLA. And there, there are, for people who are interested, you can find the clips of him uh, scampering to long touchdowns as a football player at UCLA. So just a couple of other final notes on Jackie Robinson. He served in the Army in World War II. There was an episode that you guys might have heard about this, but there was an episode during that time when he kind of engaged in a civil rights protest before a lot of other people were doing that. He was asked to move to the back of the bus uh, at Fort Hood in the Army, and he wouldn't move to the back of the bus. He was almost court-martialed for that. Went on to star for the Kansas City Monarchs in the Negro Leagues. Right. Uh, we, we went to the Negro League Museum in Kansas City. Yeah. So anybody who hasn't been there yet, check that out. Spectacular mm-hmm. place. Yeah. And yeah. then, uh, of course, he was signed by the Brooklyn Dodgers by uh, Branch Rickey in 1946. Played his first season, basically like AAA minor league season in Montreal. And again, you know, those who are interested in more reading about that, one of the just interesting elements of it was that really helped with integrating the league because it's Canada, it's the North. And so he didn't have to play games in the deep South. Oh, right. And then the following spring is when he broke the major league color barrier 1947 with the Brooklyn Dodgers. So some of that is sort of common Jackie Robinson knowledge, but I know a lot of our listeners are uh, young up and comers and just taking on an interest in sports history. So hopefully uh, there's a little bit of, uh, educational material in there for you but happy birthday rachel turning 100 today good good job dr k that was good you got it all right so so do we have some trivia to to pile on there anybody got a a question or two i mean i've got one if you guys are ready ready as i'll ever be it might it might take a little i got to give you a little foundational background but you know it's all-star game so i want to do an all-star question and you know people recently are talking about Making they made fun of the fact that whoever won the All Star Game got home field advantage. Yeah. Uh, what's what's really the difference? I mean, all they did was flip a coin in the beginning, right? I mean, how, who decided who who hosted the World Series the first year or the second year? Was it not by the best record? I don't I don't know, but regardless, I I, I went down a different path and started looking at the All Star Game, right? Oh yeah, okay. So I, and I was wondering how and why did the all-star game even start in the first place okay so trivia question part one what year was the first all-star game and where was it played okay so i know this so i'm gonna let what? i'm gonna let what? andrew take a stab oh, I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know the exact i, I have no context for this I okay mean, there's, yeah they're I gonna tell just, you they're gonna tell you tonight this, tonight is the 50th or 100th what, yeah whatever or, yeah, whatever all-star yeah. game right so i would guess like 52 it's a little earlier than that 62 mm-hmm. a little earlier than that. <laughs> the other way oh, yeah, the oh other way. Okay, okay. uh 42 well no, no, that's not a bad guess 1933 okay nice dr in, k in chicago okay and do you know why they chose chicago well yeah so there's a couple of, of elements to it i think the world's fair was going on or into or coming or something like that it was related to the world's fair being in town right and then what but, else was going on in the world 
Yeah. So the, the Great Depression is the other aspect of that. So a lot of the sports, when when you look at so it's interesting you mentioned that tonight on the telecast, they're going to say this is the whatever edition of the All-Star game. If you look at like the college football bowl games, for instance, a lot of these kind of events started during the Depression yeah. because they were trying to drum up interest in the sport and create here's another big you know, kind of event that we can draw out the fans. And so, yeah, the MLB all-star game was certainly part of that, but a lot of the bowl, like the orange bowl and different things like that. If you, I don't know the exact dates, but a lot of them started up in the thirties, Yeah, you know, in the midst of the depression. And it was really just a a feel good for the country, right? Just, yeah, we need, you know, we're going to bring out these people that you all know and love. And really they didn't even get to see them on TV. It was all radio and newspaper back then. Yeah, that's right. That's and yeah, really good point that it's a it's a live event. Right. And know. it was in Chicago, which, you know, the World's Fair and everybody could go there and maybe yep. see them who wouldn't normally see them. But, you know, I, I did read something and now I can't remember the number, but the number of Hall of Famers that were in that game. Right. I mean, there were like 15 or 16, something like that. Hall of Famers in one game. Yeah. Dave Ruth hit a home run in that game and he was, you know, at the end of his days there. But it was four to two AL. All right. So I, I figured you'd know a lot of that. And I appreciate your perspective on it because you are a historian. So that was well, well answered. But where did they play the second year? Uh, the second year was in Chicago. <laughs> no, <laughs> it was in New York. Uh. I mean, I guess they, well, they never intended it to go past the first year, but it was so mm-hmm. successful. Yeah. They're like, oh, we got something here. So yeah, yeah, that worked out pretty well. So yeah, New York and, you know, from there, it just started moving around. But I was, I was just, I like the idea that the all-star game means something. All right. That's my trivia question. Good job. You nailed it. Excellent. Excellent. All right, Andrew, let's, let's get back to you, man. What else you got? Do you have trivia for us or are you? I I do, but I guess we can wait, wait a little bit for that. Okay. So what other storylines do we need to talk about? you want to let's talk about the home run derby i mean that was just last night and yeah fresh on everybody's mind what the what happened there well i would kind of compare it to the 2019 home run derby where unfortunately the guy that it seemed like it was his night it didn't end up being his night and that guy is julio rodriguez so in 2019 that guy was vladimir guerrero jr mm-hmm. right that that night he was the record breaker he was the you know he got the crowd excited he did this he did that and then at the end of the day Pete Alonso knocked him off and everyone was kind of upset so last night it was Julio Rodriguez at 32 in the front I mean he blew everyone out of the water in the first round I don't think there was anyone else who hit 25 and Pete Alonso you know couldn't beat him in the second round so then he goes on to the final round he hits 18 that doesn't look too bad and then Juan Soto you know he had a pretty easy path up to the finals and he knocks him off. So yeah, everyone loves Juan Soto. There's no reason to be upset about him winning. It's more Julio Rodriguez losing after such a great performance in the first couple of rounds. But overall, it was a very exciting thing. You know, every year it's, there's always something that's going to happen. That's exciting. You know, watching these crazy athletic people hitting home runs is always super cool. Mm-hmm. And Alvin Pujols was also a, a good story. Oh Yeah. And, and he advanced into the second round. So, you know, one of the things I saw coming out of that was just like the guys that you kind of wanted to see move into the next round, they all advanced. So the final four, it was just these great matchups. So 
are you thinking this is kind of the uh, the coronation of Julio Rodriguez? Is he like the next just superstar of the league? I think you could make the case that he was the next superstar of the league before the home run derby. But Ooh. I do think there is a, a real chance that if he catches fire after the home run derby, so in the second half, he could be really good. I, I already think he's really good. He's like top three. He might be second in stolen bases in the league. He's at 16 home runs, I think, since either the like around the end of May, which is like top 10 in the league in home runs. He's and, and he's just given that spark that the Mariners, obviously, you know, they needed it and it's it's work. So I think for him, it's just he's already playing well. And if the home run, I think the home run, it really added just to his publicity and his popularity. Mm-hmm. You know, what, I think if he continues his play, he'll be fine. What position does he play? He I think is general out, outfield, but I think he's center field or right. I think he, he rotates between those. So he's got a good arm, too. Yeah. Now, is he in the All-Star game or no? I don't think he made the All-Star game. I, oh. I, I think it's it's interesting. I think by the end of the year, you might look back and say, well, he was probably one of the best, you know, 80 players or 40 players in the American League. But I think as of for the first half, he, he kind of got off to a rough start. So Yeah. But, you know, the home run derby, like you can view it as this kind of just bubblegum, you know, popcorn kind of throwaway thing. But in MLB, it really has been a coming out party for some of the big stars in the game. And it, it's, I mean, it kind of had its heyday. Kevin, I mean, you remember the home run derby for a while there. Like, that's what you wanted to say. I wouldn't watch the all-star game or anything else. I'd watch the home run derby, well, you know, and the then. Wire and Sosa made it amazing. <laughs> exactly. You know, and I think it, it kind of faded from prominence a little bit, but now it's sort of back. And, you know, you remember Ken Griffey Jr., doing his home run derbies with his hat backwards. Like that became the iconic image of, mm-hmm. of Griffey. And so, yeah. And, and Vlad Guerrero, you mentioned his performance a few years ago, which was just so dominant and awesome. It is the kind of thing that is unique to MLB that you have that kind of sideshow event, but it really does kind of stand for something. Isn't it, isn't it interesting? Or I guess don't you want to give credit to Pete Alonzo for really kind of bringing it back? Because he takes it so seriously. He does, yeah. Which is great to see. Like, all these all-star things, even the slam dunk contest, they barely try anymore. Did you see him before last night's event kind of snorting and stomping around? Like, he was in the zone, man. He was, well, he like... was, he was doing deadlifts, I think, in between rounds. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, he, he was working out in between rounds to try and keep himself... So I think somebody was making a joke or something because, you know, Acuna lost and Pete Alonso won. But it was like, Acuna is over here on his phone. And Pete, and Pete Alonso is literally like in the basement of Dodger Stadium doing deadlifts or whatever. And it's <laughs> yeah, just like, that's crazy. You know, that maybe, crazy. maybe that's the, well, I mean, I guess it wasn't the secret stuff this year, but maybe, you know, that was the secret stuff the last couple of years where cut the cameras and he's working out in the, in the locker room where everyone else is having fun. I mean, if that's what worked the first two times, I'd keep doing it. No, no it is. It's awesome. You know, like Alonzo is just tailor-made for that event. It's crazy. He's a good player anyway. He's having a really good year on the whole, but he's just the king of the home run derby, you know, but obviously didn't win it this time. But Kev, that that also bounces off a point that you raised in one of our other podcast episodes, which is that the MLB All-Star Game, and it was kind of a throwaway comment in the moment, but you said the MLB All-Star Game is the best. What is it that you that makes you think that? And we can kind of debate, but well, if it is the best, why is it the best? That's a good question. I mean, you know, there's 
there's hardly any chance of injury, right? So the guys play as pretty, pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've got the pitching down to a science where you don't, you know, they used to pitch the starter three innings. You never see that anymore. I mean, I don't even know if they go two anymore, but mm-hmm. who's starting tonight? Kershaw and who else? McClanahan, the okay. lefty for the Rays. Right. Okay. So those guys will probably each pitch an inning, right? It's kind of like they're, they're uh, in between start stretch day or, or warm, you know, toss day, mm-hmm. long toss day, whatever you want to call it, which, you know, it works out fine. So I guess the point is, you know, these pitchers can all bring their best stuff. They bring their A game and the hitters all want to hit the best pitchers. So you're getting the best, right? I mean, you now yeah. the strategy and we're not going to be stealing bases and hit and runs probably, you know, whatever that stuff may not be on, but you're seeing the best against the best. And that's what everybody wants to see. But I think, I think MLB always, always delivers on that. You know, the NBA all-star game is fun, but they don't play until like the last couple minutes. Yes. You're just putting on showtime. Uh, uh, I found it almost unwatchable. I mean, it's just awful. Well, you it's, know? it's not as bad as the NFL. The NBA the, game? Yeah. Well, the, yeah, they don't, they just don't play. I mean, it's, you know, there's no defense. They're not even really trying that much on offense, although there are tons of dunks and alley-oops and lobs and things like that. But yeah, the NFL, oh, it's just brutal. That one's terrible. Well, the other good thing about Major League Baseball is, you know, the trade deadline is still looming. Mm-hmm. There's all these different thoughts about who's going where. And so the, some of those stories are just floating along as you see these guys. Like, I mean, we didn't even mention who won the home run derby last night. But yeah, Soto. Who was it, right? Juan Soto. <laughs> right. And so what did he, what happened with him recently in his negotiations with the Washington Nationals? Yeah, so that story is uh, the Nationals, I think the thing was like, they said they were never going to trade him or whatever, and now they want to trade him. But before mm-hmm. all of that, they offered him a 15-year, $440 million contract. <laughs> yes, they did. And, and he turned it down. He said, no, thank you. But so another story that I wanted to cover about that kind of idea of it. So the, in the final round, it was Juan Soto who just turned down a $440 million contract and Julio Rodriguez, who is getting paid the major league minimum <laughs> this year, right. he's getting $770,000 and the winnings for the home run derby is a million dollars. So if he yeah. would have won it, he would have made more in 50 swings or well, probably <laughs> like 150 swings than he did. The entire year, whereas Juan Soto is like literally could be one of the, you know, the richest major league player of all time. Yeah, I guess not. Half a billion, man. That's crazy. But he probably still made himself that money, you know, in terms of endorsements and publicity. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's coming. It's just a delayed gratification, which is fine. Yeah. He he earned a lot by doing what he did last night. So. Yeah. So I agree with you, Kev. I think the MLB All Star Game is the best. And I did, I get what you're saying. Like they can play for real. Yeah. Even if it does, it, it lacks a little bit of the intensity of like a playoff game or something, but it's not just a a sham, like the NBA all-star game. The NFL is just a complete joke. Plus that one comes after the season is over. I mean, everybody has already completely moved on from the NFL and then you have, here's the Bowl, and it's like, right. Um, people say the hockey one is great, but I, I've just never gotten into that. So maybe I shouldn't be too. Yeah, hockey's okay. No problem there. Yeah, yeah. I shouldn't be too dismissive of that. But the MLB also, I do think you you bring in a combination of kind of the nostalgia for the game, mm-hmm. which baseball is certainly the richest of the sports in terms of the history. And there's a lot of that. You know, let's talk about Joe DiMaggio and his all-star game appearances and, you know, all these kind of throwback players. 
that really means something. And then you also get that coming out party. You know, there's always like young guys that are just sort of coming on the scene that maybe you're not familiar with them yet, but here they are in the all-star game. They kind of crack in and then they become, you know, fixtures in the game. So I don't know, there's something, I don't want to get too touchy feely about it, but there's something, it's kind of a combination of the nostalgia and then just the, it's kind of a real sporting event that you can embrace. And I watched some of the other ones. I'm just like, I can't, (laughs) I can't believe this is actually a thing, you know? Well, we should ask Andrew his perspective. I mean, is that, is it something you guys in your generation, do you guys look forward to the All-Star game and the history and reliving I, I some think, of the old moments? Yeah, I think the the baseball All-Star game, I think for my generation or whatever, you know, my age group, I would say that five or six years ago, the NBA All-Star game was peak. I mean, okay. it was like, people would say, you know, that was like the peak of the dunk contest. It was the peak of the three point. Like that, it was, I feel like that was the peak of the NBA All-Star weekend and the all-star game to go along with it i I would say the one downside for the mlb all-star game is from an exciting perspective is it great to watch the best pitchers in the game go against the best hitters yeah i mean it always is you know when you have a stacked lineup going against one of the best pitchers in the league that's exactly what you want to see but it's almost too much of a good thing because when you think about it degrom is such a good pitcher he can almost make it not fun to watch because he strikes everyone out so i think would it be more exciting if it was 15 to 14, you know, and whatever, or it's tied and they do a home run derby to see if it, you know, goes into, <laughs> you know, to see who wins. Yes. But I almost feel like with, with baseball, it doesn't really ever end up that way. I think last year, the final score was like seven to four or something like that. And it's great to watch if you really love baseball, but I think for, if people just want something really exciting, it, it's not always the best because sometimes it can turn into yeah. more of just a three hour, you know, baseball Pitcher's game. duel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. More than like a really exciting thing. Yeah, that's a good point actually. And, and their scoring is at a premium typically in the all-star game because the pitchers, the best pitchers can dominate. And like you said, Kev, if they're only pitching an inning, yeah, maybe two at the most, like they can just let it fly. Oh yeah. You know, as opposed to if it's a playoff game and they're going to, they know they're in for seven or eight or nine innings, you know, they kind of have to pace themselves. You want to just look at the divisions and see kind of where we're at and where we're heading down the stretch. Yeah, I think we kind of did the American league. You want to touch on the national league a little bit? Well, I think we could, uh, we could do a little bit more of the central. I think we talked about the West a little bit. I think w- so let's do the central first. I think the the other miss, but it wasn't because I said anything bad about them. I think one team that I wasn't high enough on would be the Twins. Now they're only fifty and forty four, but at this time last year, I'm pretty sure they were in like a Tigers position. I mean, they were just bottom of the league, and I think I just didn't quite see the comparison between two years ago and this year because the Twins they stayed pretty much the same. I think their team, it, it looks a little bit different. You don't have Josh Donaldson. You don't have, I think Miguel Sano is not there anymore. Mitch Garver is not there. But you put together a good lineup. Byron Buxton has been really good. Gary Sanchez has been good. You know, Gio Urshela, the guy, you know, that those players are just stepping up and playing well. And I think their pitching has been good. Look, I mean, they're 50 and 44. They're not one of the best teams in the league, but they're leading their division. The Guardians, they're record is probably about where you would expect it to be. They're right above 500. 
they're probably a right above 500 team. I don't think Shane Bieber has been healthy. So he, that would probably help them out a little bit, but uh, Jose Ramirez has been really, really good They're Oh, I think Andres Jimenez has also been really good. So they're just, you know, floating around the second spot. They could, I think that the AL wildcard race is pretty crazy. So they could maybe, you know, sneak in a spot here or there, but I don't really know what they're going to do. And then the most notable, like controversial team in that division is the White Sox. I mean, they, they just have fallen apart. I actually, I think for a while they were under 500. So they've, they've stepped it up a little bit in the last, you know, they're seven and three in their last mm-hmm. 10. But I think in what I said at the beginning of the year is it's their division to lose and they are really losing it right now. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's really nothing else to say. It's like the, the White yeah. Sox should be an above 50 win team at this point in the season. And they're just not, that's the problem. Like they're yeah. the one team this year that needs to fire their manager and they just didn't. So, you know, they're sticking with their guy and he is kind of running them into the ground right now. So you think La Russa, they got to get rid of La Russa? I mean, if the guy is a baseball is, savant. He's a genius. Well, he, he's creative. I he's mean, innovative. If like I said, if there's one team, I mean, I think what is this? Like five or six teams have already fired their manager. If there's one team right now that needs to fire their manager, it's the White Sox. So, the, so you don't support walking guys with two strikes with two strikes and, and these kind of shenanigans. I mean, it's not working. Like that's that, cool. It's true. He did it again. I mean, the guy is crazy. Yeah, he's yeah. We I, talked I think about he's just trolling. He's yeah, trolling everybody. But when we talked about it earlier in the season, like the explanation was that the pitch before, so he had two strikes on the batter, and then the there was a passed ball, and so the base runner advanced, and first base was open, and so then he intentionally walked the guy with two. Strikes and then what did they do? They hit a home run. Yeah, Max Muncy hit a three on home run. Max Muncy. Oh, that's right. That was Muncy. That's right. You don't know. Well, then he did it again. Did they hit oh, a the home guy, run? Again? He's he is such. I don't know. Larusa. La there's certainly a lot of. He takes a lot of criticism, but there's something uh, admirable about a guy who's so stubborn and curmudgeonly. Well, like he, I mean, let's let's put him in perspective, though. I mean, George Will wrote a book about him in 1988. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, he's, he had a book written about him already at that point. Right, what in the right. world? But the, the guy will not be swayed by public opinion. The biggest thing with him, and this is what, you know, a lot of the other teams have done. It's like, and especially with the White Sox, because there was controversy about him last year when they didn't, not only when they weren't doing well, when they were doing well, because they probably could have been doing better. And he, you know, pissed off half the team when he got Yerman Mercedes to retire from baseball. Like, Things even last year were questionable, and this year it's just completely fallen apart. And for the rest of the division, I think, you know, Royals are not great. The Tigers kind of, you know, are not great either. So I think it's those three teams, and really they're pretty, they're way closer than I thought they were. I think for a while there, the Twins had like, you know, a 10 game lead on the division or so, but now they're, the White Sox are only three games behind. So that'll be a, an interesting race to, to look at. Yeah. That's- so, so if you're predicting playoff spots in the AL, Andrew, I mean, are you looking at the way the standings are now and that's how you think it's going to turn out? Or do you think the Red Sox or somebody kind of squeaks in there and maybe Seattle or Toronto gets pushed aside? So I think for the wild card, I think your division leaders, other than the the twins, are pretty well set. Mm-hmm. My picks, you know, out of the AL, Yankees are winning their division. Astros are winning their division. Maybe. I mean, the Mariners still kind of have a chance. 
But for the wild card, it's crazy. The first five teams, four behind them are only separated by three and a half games. So that could be a really just crazy, you know, down to the last day race for the wild card. My predictions, I think, would stay the same. I think the Rays are going to hold their spot. You know, they're not going to be probably not going to be any better or worse than what they were in the first half. I think the Mariners could possibly pass the Rays. You know, they might finish with 85, you know, maybe 90 wins. And I think the Blue Jays, they're only separated by one and a half games, but I think the Blue Jays could also kind of pass everyone. Mm-hmm. They, they should pass everyone. There's, you know, they fired their manager and they're, they're winning. <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying. You know, that's what I'm saying about Larissa. Yeah. Like, the, the Blue Jays fired their manager because they were underperforming. They're still doing decent. They're just, you know, they got swept by the Mariners. Now the Mariners won 14 in a row. Mm-hmm. But that Mariner sweep, you know, I guess put them over the edge. So now they're really focusing on, you know, this is a season where we need to win. We can win. They're winning kind of, but they could be better. You know, they were my pick out of the AL before the season started. And I think they could win the wild card race. Maybe. I think they're still going to make it. I think my top three would, would stay the same. Excellent. Well, let, let's talk uh, National League real quick. Kevin, let's see, you got another uh, angle you want to touch on, or should we look at these National League divisions? Yeah, let's, let's go down National League real quick. I know we're running out of a little bit of time. but mm-hmm. Okay, so for the NL East, it was it's pretty crazy how that division has played out because, you know, at yeah. the beginning of the year, the Mets were just, I think they were the best team in the National League by by far. Yeah. Just that, you know, the first, say, 50 games, they, you know, I wouldn't consider them to have caught a cold streak because they're still, you know, pretty good. But they have kind of lost, I guess, the new kind of magic that they had with all the new players and everything. They're, they're back, you know, to just being good, solid, potentially one of the best teams in the National League team. The Braves are clearly the biggest worry for the Mets. They won, you know, 14 in a row. They went on a crazy good streak. When they started their series, they were one and a half games behind the Mets. And, you know, I think they split the series or something happened, you know, so now they're two and a half games back, but that's still a really close race. And I think right now the Braves definitely have the momentum going into the second half. But, but either way, I mean, those teams, whichever team finishes second is still way out in front in the wild card as of right now. Yeah. In all likelihood, both of those teams are going to get in. Mm-hmm. What about the Phillies? Do you think they got a chance of squeaking in? If Kyle Schwarber hits 20 home runs in the month again, I think he could. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think their their team, what I, you know, what everyone said at the beginning of the year is the Phillies went all in on offense. They, you know, they picked up Nicholas Castellanos and Kyle Schwarber, two of the worst defensive outfielders in the league, and just said, we're going to score runs and we're going to give up runs and our defense is going to suck, but we're going to, win games by out hitting teams and they're they are surprising i haven't looked at their standings in a while but you know they're doing surprisingly well 49 and 43 that's i guess one game worse than the twins so in the al central they would almost be winning the division i think for them they're good you know they're better than maybe people expected them to be but i don't think they're gonna i don't think they're gonna take the spot from the braves and then for the wild card i just don't think they're gonna take the spot from any of the other teams. Well, cause you got your brewers are going to be uh, going to be taking one of those spots. What do you think about the central? Well, looking at it now, I mean, the Cardinals are only a half a game back. And the thing that I would say about the Cardinals is as crazy as their team has been like Paul Goldschmidt has been ridiculous. Nolan Otto has been really good. Yeah. You know, like their team, 
they're one of those they fired their manager i think after last year i think they've stuck with the guy for this year but like their team is so stacked you wonder how they're second in the division and as Mm -hmm. for the brewers their team isn't as stacked but they should be better as well like they you know they're three and seven in their last 10 they they really struggled i think they lost two games against the giants or something like that but they can also kind of find a, a their stroke in the last you know second half but i think that will also be a close race for the wild card you know the phillies and the cardinals are only separated by i guess a game and i think that could be an interesting one i do think the phillies are going to fade down the stretch and i think the cardinals towards the end of the year i still think they're going to finish second in the division but they should get better so i think they'll take that other wild card spot yeah, I mean, we've watched a lot of Brewers games this year, and they're, oh, they're so close. Like, it's crazy how they just find ways to lose close games and, like, situational hitting so many times when they'll have guys on base and just not get a get a hit. Like, you really do – when you watch a team like that game after game after game, they could easily have won five or six or more games than they have, you know. And just a guy like Yelich – by himself, you know, who's batting around 250, you know, former MVP. Golly, I mean, so many times he comes up with batters in scoring position and it's like almost gets a hit, but it's, you know, a pop out or something like that. So yeah, that, that team, it's interesting. You say they could, could, and should be better. I mean, when you watch a bunch of their game, they could easily be five or six games better than they are right now. Yeah. They, they finished on a little bit of a slide there at the end, I guess. Yeah, I know they're sliding, but it's like, even those games, they're just game by game. I mean, baseball is a, a game of inches for sure. Yep. Well, we got one, one more division to talk about, Andrew, the, uh, the West. So the Padres are clearly going to overtake the Dodgers and topple them. I think the Giants have a better chance. Could be the Giants. <laughs> well, what do you think about uh, Kev's Dodgers there? You think they got a chance at this at this deal? <laughs> well, I mean, the, like they're just they're so good. It's so weird to say that, but like, well, it's, it's not weird to say that the Dodgers are. They, you know, they've had they're, such such a good. Their run differential team. is plus a hundred and sixty nine. The Yankees are like one hundred ninety. Lord, I mean. They're outscoring opponents by two runs a game. Yeah, I think I, that I think this was nuts. before the All Star break, or I think it was before they finished the last couple of games. But hundred, the Yankees one ninety nine. Yeah, those I didn't two. Think that was see, possible. The, oh, yeah, I think the Dodgers almost broke the record a couple of years ago. They were in the three hundred and something for the wow. year. Three hundred. Well, yeah, when you, by the time you get to the end, it's hard to keep that up over the course of a season. Yeah. Winning by average of two runs a game is just insane. Yeah, I think we we talked about it with the Mets. I think it was like the first week or so of the season, the Mets had like a plus 30 differential, <laughs> and now they have a plus 80. So, you know, yeah. that, that's, <laughs> I guess that kind of shows, you know, what, how their season has, has kind of flown. Back to earth a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But, you know, yeah, the Dodgers are pretty much wrapped up. It's just a matter of who's going to make it as a wild card out of that division. All right. Yeah. Just real quick, National League wild card. I mean, it is tight. Yeah. Yeah. I I think the, the AL is the signature, like long list of teams that are really close, but yeah, for, so for the NL, you have a couple teams that are really close together. So right now the three spots actually are the Braves, the Padres and the Phillies. And for the Braves, I think their biggest thing is they're not looking for a wild card spot. They're looking for a division win. Mm -hmm. So I think for the, for the AL, actually all of those teams that we were looking at in the AL, 
they're looking for the wild card spot. Whereas in the NL, the Braves, especially, they're looking for their division. You know, they're looking to put the Mets in that wild card spot. Um, the Padres, they're they're really interesting because if Tatis can get healthy quickly, and they're saying his his recovery has been really slow, but if he can be back, I would say by like the last twenty games or so of the year, those could be really important if they don't completely fade like they did last year. Because I think they were they were probably in a similar position last year as they are now, maybe a little bit worse, but you know, I think this year they've just been more, you know, consistent, less like inexperienced and kind of wild. And they found a a good, you know, a good solid record going into the second half. The Phillies, you know, they're, they're just going to figure out what they're going to do. They're, you know, Harper Harper still doing well. He is. He's been doing really, really well. They need him to get back in the field, though. He's been their DH because he, like, broke his thumb or something. That's and, right, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot I, – I, I saw a lot of people talking about how, like, thank goodness for the DH because Harper – I think it was like he hurt his shoulder and then he hurt his thumb or something. And it's like when he hurt his shoulder, they were like, okay, thank goodness for the DH because he can still hit. And he hit, like, two home runs that game. You know, mm-hmm. the next game after he hurt his shoulder Harper. because he can't, he can't throw in the outfield, but he can hit home runs. Hey, that's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's just it's interesting on the NL side because you've got the Phillies, the Cardinals, the Brewers, and the Giants. They're virtually tied, you know. And mm-hmm. yeah, the Brewers are they're not listed on the wild oh, yeah. card list. They're leading the division, but they're basically tied. Mm-hmm. So, you know, two the Giants, yeah. Yeah, only two of those teams are gonna make it, and they're all neck and neck right now. So that's kind oh, of interesting. So, uh, well, yeah, what, what are your uh, rapid-fire questions here? We're going to wrap things up in just a second with, with old Andrew. What do you got? Well, real quick, I wanted to note, I just realized looking at that uh, wild card standings, that the Reds actually passed the Nationals in the standings, which is crazy. Oh, yes, the Nationals are so bad. <laughs> I didn't realize. So, But that leads into my question. Do you think Soto is going to be traded this year? I think it might. I mean, honestly, I don't really know all of the details, but just out of, like, my and thoughts. If, and if so, when does he go to L.A.? I, I think it'll be after this year. I mean, based on what they <laughs> talked about, obviously he's kind of upset, but I don't know if there's enough that can change in the next couple months for I mean, him. I mean, he and Trey Turner are buddies, right? I mean, he wants to go play with Trey. Yeah, I mean, I think there's potential for him to go there, as there is potential for literally every player in Major League Baseball to end up for the Dodgers. (laughs) But, you know, I I think teams like, I think the Mets were interested in him or whatever, wherever he goes. I mean, you're getting potentially the best just pure hitter in baseball. So, well, uh, well, so that was my next question. The best pure hitter is Trout, right? I heard that he, I think, I heard that he might get traded. Really? Uh, Yeah. Did you hear about, have you heard any rumors about that? Well, I've seen people talking about how the Angels are such a terrible franchise that they should just trade away every great player they've ever had and, you know, rebuild. But I haven't heard any details about Trout necessarily. I I think Trout is the perfect culmination of every skill. I I honestly wouldn't even say he's the best at anything because he never finishes with the highest average. He never really has the most home runs. He never is the is the fastest he's not the most you know he doesn't have the best arm but he does everything so well that he is so good just all around you know like i think he's like 90th percentile on something in sprint speed and he's you know he's 30 he's been in the league for 10 years and he's still one of the fastest guys in the league he's amazing all right last last comment 
I heard you say that the culmination or the peak of the slam dunk contest was six or seven years ago. Take a look at the 1988 slam dunk contest. <laughs> it's literally a who's who of slam dunks, Hall of Famers, the best of all. I watched it the other night, like the whole thing live. By the way, they never missed back then. These guys yeah. never missed. Nowadays they miss and they give 10 tries. Yeah. Dude, they never met. Michael Jordan was launching from the free throw line. He did it twice in the same one. Dominique Wilkins. I mean, these guys were unbelievable. So have you watched that, Andrew? I think I might have seen some of it back when I was younger, but not not recently. Yes, yeah, so you guys oh, need you're missing out, man. You guys gotta cue that up on the old YouTube. Okay, my my rant is over. Anyway, well, we we went off on a little tangent there. Any other uh, concluding thoughts here? You, you have any trivia as we wrap things up here? What do you got? I mean, I, I have a little bit of just, you know, statistical questions. I wouldn't, it's not really like a trivia prompt, but if you guys are up for it, I'm, you know, I'm ready. We're always up for trivia. We live for trivia. Okay. So in honor of Albert Pujols and his home run derby, I, I mean, you could call it a success. I, that's what, that's what I would say. Sure. So he has 685 career home runs. Mm-hmm. He is fifth all time. Right. I think you all, you both know the guys ahead of him. Probably. Okay. <laughs> I, I was wondering, do you know the five guys? So six through 10 behind him. Ah, okay. Willie Mays. He is number six. Yeah. 660, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Sosa. He, yes, he is number nine. Uh, McGuire? Nope. He's 11. No, no, no. He didn't make it. Oh, he's 11. Just off the list. No, what about uh, Palmero? Palmero? There's another recent. Palmero is 13. Fairly yeah. recent guy in the 600s. So you said Sosa already. Um, Griffey? Yes, he is seven. Uh, Jim Tomey? Yes, he is yeah, eight. Good one. You, good got, one. you got one more. Who we need? Number 10? The number 10. All right, let's throw in the towel. I'm done. Frank Robinson. Ah. Oh, that's who you were trying to think of, Kev. Terrible. All right, let's put a put a bow on this one. Andrew, thanks again for joining us. Yes. Enjoy the All-Star. Who's going to win the All-Star game? Um, Kershaw. Yeah. Done. National League 5-zip. Ooh, good call. All right. Kev out. Kev out. Andrew out. <laughs>